Tony, it's such a nice day outside. It's such a nice day outside, we got it. But I think it's the first time we recorded on the porch. I think so, too. Yeah, it's nice. It's probably the most well-ventilated place. I think so. House. We're socially distancing. We're about six feet apart. And, like, you have the ambiance of the wind blowing and the kids playing. We're outside. Rustling through the trees. Rustling through the trees. Well, that, that's a light a, dew. That's a good segue to our <laughs> topic of our podcast today, which is... We both diverged a lot from Pretty hard, the regular yes. podcast that we've been doing. We just wanted to talk about that. Two whole left turns, and now we're back to where we now were. Now we're back to where we were, except for next week, I'm going to post a video That's essay right. as well. So we're going to get into that. Thank you so much for listening to the DKC podcast. You can find us on Spotify. That's a huge thing. We're on Spotify. It's actually really cool that we're on Spotify, Tony. Yeah, it's awesome. And throw those streams down there. Every single one of them counts, y'all. So Throw those streams you know. up. You can find us on Spotify, like I said. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us at diacritical.com. Email us at diacritical at gmail.com. You can also find us on Anchor. We're on Twitter, on Instagram, all the social media handles that you can handle. We are there. We're there. We're there. We're there. Well, thanks so much for listening. We're going to get into the episode in just a second. We'll be right back. Let's get into it. Okay, I'll start with mine. Unless you want to start with yours, Tony. I'll no, go no, go ahead and start, start with yours. <clears throat> Okay. Welcome back to the Diacritical Podcast. This is Megan. I'm here with Tony. We're sitting out on the porch enjoying this beautiful weather, just absorbing all it's of it. It's nice when it gets to be like twilight out here. I mean, there's not like sun coming onto the porch, but like you can see it through the trees and yeah. stuff. It's pretty. It makes for a very cinematic view. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you, it was even better in the backyard before uh, our landlord came over and just destroyed all of my Oh, what happened? He cut the grass? He, he cut, like, the whole, like, all of, I mean, I know most of it is weeds. Like, I know most of it is weeds. But, like, it was so green, so lush. He had these bushes of these big, beautiful, like, plants just spilling all over into the Are yard. you talking more, like, in your backyard, too? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they even cut down my stump, you know? You had a stump? Yeah, I mean, it looked like a bush because it was, again, just so overgrown oh, yeah. weeds. But they used to, like, mow around it, so it was, like, this giant stump bush that, like, all the rabbits and, like, sometimes yeah. cats would, like, hang out under. Now it's gone. Well, it sounds like you were very fond of it. I was very fond of that backyard. <laughs> it was, like, my little place, you know? I did all my rituals and shit in the uh-huh. back left corner of it. And, you know, you could see the moon really good from back there. Probably better now, but... It's nice to have a backyard. Yeah. Anyway, listeners, let's talk about how we came up with the idea for our topic. So, my podcast was thoughts on social media and I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time because I have this weird relationship with social media and that like I don't have Facebook anymore and I'm thankful for it because Facebook mm-hmm. always gave me such terrible mental anxiety yeah I, I definitely see that I mean I think I'm currently on Facebook and like I used to post all the time but it's just not worth the comment sometimes yeah. you know what I mean like I, I don't know Maybe it's just the way that I post, but, I, yeah. Well, it, I, it can be really, 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 like, visceral sometimes, mm-hmm. the way people respond mm-hmm. to, like, some of the, some basic stuff, even. Sure. You know. 
Well, I never was a big like poster or a big commenter, but then I started writing music, and I said, oh, I'll post some here, I'll post some on SoundCloud, whatever. And the response would be okay. I never got like a lot of people liking my stuff, which is fine. But then I would, and, you, and if you listen to the podcast and read the article, I would kind of go through and look at ex-friends or ex-boyfriends and kind of be jealous of people that... Creep. And just creep on people, be jealous of people that I was actually really happy for. But Facebook really fueled that part of me. So I just wanted to talk about that. And it was uh, just a seven-minute episode. It's basically me kind of really reading short. my article. Yeah, super short article about it. Um, but I enjoyed doing it because it was really cathartic for me, honestly. That, and that's kind of what it's all about, right? Like, you know, you just got to, sometimes when you're on the horn and stuff, like, mm-hmm. there, there are times where you, like, want to cover a topic or, or you want to, we want to talk about the lifestyle and all of this stuff, too. But what, what, what's good about talking about things like this uh, on, a, on a microphone is it's not necessarily what you usually hear, in, yeah. in a sense. Like, we're not all talking about, like, our relationship as people to social media. We're musicians inherently. So, like, literally anything we talk about in this podcast has that context, and you've also brought that context out yeah. by flipping it in the last few couple of minutes and, and saying, like, yeah, I have all of these hang-ups about social media, and, like, it's pretty destructive in certain ways, but at the same time, it's one of the best vehicles we have. I really need have. it. Like, I really need it. And it's, that is a double-edged sword, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, that's what pains me so much about it, is that, like, I used to be big talk about how much I hate Mark Zuckerberg, I fucking hate that dude, he sucks, I hate what Facebook does, blah, blah, blah. But it's really, like, I used it for a long time, and I was happy with it, and it wasn't until, it was a me problem, not a Mark yeah. Zuckerberg problem. Mark Zuckerberg can't make my life any better or any worse by creating this platform where we can all connect with people that, you know, we haven't seen for years or whatever it, it has done so much good and if you can't handle it and i think i, I kind of surmised this in the article if you cannot handle social media get off yeah i mean that's 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 a really important thing to note i think there are definitely bad things about that platform but it's all about how that man regulates it right mm. but here's the thing he's not i mean humans aren't doing anything differently yeah you know what i mean it's just everybody's got a platform you know what i mean Humans will constantly just hate what they don't know. Will fear what they don't know. Or don't They'll understand. Put that out. Yeah. What's what's a little what's concerning sometimes it even is that it's just like a it's like a self affirming kind of thing. Like you only are friends with people that like usually usually you're only friends with like people that agree with you for the most part, and it just becomes like you're really not hearing anything different than but what, what you, you expect. Exactly. Well, then you you go you on know. post, and then you're kind of preaching to the choir, and then it becomes yeah. this kind of virtue signal, like, I'm doing the right thing, or you doing the right thing, and it's like, yeah, you're all the same. <laughs> you're pretty well, much all the same. Exactly, and it's like, again, like, people are not doing anything differently than they would without Facebook. They're yeah. just doing it so immediately, and that's where it becomes, I think, really unhealthy, uh, is that there's this immediacy to it. Yeah, that's a good point, you're, the immediacy of it. It's, it's addictive and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, if you, you watch that we were talking about this. You had recorded that episode, like, shortly before viewing. Have you viewed yet The Social Dilemma? Actually, I haven't seen it. I started watching it, and they had these reenactments, and I was like, I don't know if I'm fucking with those. Like, it was on point. Like, was I, it really? I had just watched it, then listened to your final. I was like, damn, Megan. Like, oh, really? I, I had not even watched it yet. I, I watched, like, the first five minutes, and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Should yeah. I go back and watch it? Is it a recommend? I, I would recommend it just simply because of the things that you learn. Um, yeah. 
the message, I mean, that, I, I guess that's the thing, is like, these are just tools that we use, uh, I think, without thinking a lot. Um, there, and that, again, and I, that really goes, like, in terms of just personally and socially, right? Like, there are these two sides of it, right? Um, both are kind of run by this system that is highly unregulated, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So on the one hand, as a business, as a page, as a musician, the ability to put your stuff out there and just like have it out there is wonderful. That's awesome, right? yeah. But you can also put out a bunch of hate speech and it would be just as accepted too. You can you put know? out hate speech, but the thing with like Facebook and Twitter, and I think even Reddit to some degree, you can't put out like violence. Right. You could be like, I hate these people, I hate these people, but if that's violence, you can't yeah. can do that. So well, that in itself is, is regulated. And that, well, well, here's the thing even too. It's like some of my research when I did... Uh, when I did this initial critique on media language and uh, uh, an inherent bias in uh, how words come together, I did it through the vein as an archivist. And one of the things that we talk about uh, or we reference in terms of, of language bias and why it is so important is the Anti-Defamation League's Pyramid of Hate. And so it shows how rhetoric leads to more and more escalating forms. Yeah, of oh yeah. Yeah. Not just, it, it goes from bias all the way up to, to violence. Yeah. And how, and really what it illustrates is this pyramid is that you cannot have one without the other. Mm. With, you can't have violence without first having this certain rhetoric sure. and stuff like that too. But again, like getting back again to the music part of it too, that brings with it some freedom to be able to publish what you want. Yeah. And it is so incredibly integral to how we run our brands i guess oh it is it's word. totally a brand it's yeah. totally a brand you're branding yourself as an artist whatever artist that may be you and, and then I, when i first started writing the article i had gone into all this stuff about how like we use social media to construct this image of ourselves and it's true but i began to realize like like that's okay how you doing keith you too waving to the neighbors sorry that's okay <laughs> we're out in the corner that's okay to to c construct something of yourself, especially as an artist, because you need that. But but anyway, it was really cathartic for me to write that. I'm, I'm glad I finally got to really flesh out my feelings about social media, what it was doing to me, and how I couldn't blame Mark Zuckerberg, the ugly babies, and my friends who are married and go on vacation every day. You know, I can't blame that. I can't blame them for anything. It's only me. Right. So then you took a left turn, too, and actually oh, yeah. you did this before me with your oh, article. Yeah. So your, let's just talk about the podcast, your podcast, rather. Let's talk about yeah. the podcast that you did that just came out of left field. You sent it to me one night, yeah. and I was like, what the? <laughs> but it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Laughed out loud a bunch of times. No gas. Yeah. Like, no cap, not gassing at all. It really made me laugh so many times out loud. I'm really glad, and I, and I hope y'all, dear readers or listeners, enjoyed that, too. It was... It, like you said, it came out of left field. It came out of left field for me, too. It actually kind of, um, it, it really did come from just this passing comment I made in my uh, discussion with Laura Cruz. Uh, it's that episode, you'll find it on the Spotify page, go back and listen. It's called Muestrame, which is uh, Spanish for show me. Uh, we talked about Colectivo Huevo Coyoto. And everything like that it was a phenomenal conversation. But baked in the middle of that, we we all we, we started talking about ways in which classical music kind of distances itself from other people. And it was just a 
it was just a completely off the fly comment. We were talking about programming. I slipped into this voice. Yeah. <laughs> like just the randomly. Vo- the, infamous vo- the infamous voice. The voice. And I, I, I always, I think I talked about it before on this podcast. Like I love doing accents in the middle of, like it's just how I talk normally. Yeah. Like why wouldn't I talk like that on the mic? And yeah. so that idea kind of stuck with me when I said, when I was talking about programming a concert, but just in that voice, like so haughty and arrogant and ridiculous Mm -hmm. and i just like i was like what if this dude gave a concert etiquette lesson and so i just i I literally wrote the script in maybe like 30 minutes and then spent like another hour or two like redrafting it yeah and then i did like a dry two dry runs of it where uh i was just trying to kind of feel out the cadence of the voice and figure out what the character was and everything like that and I just recorded it, and it was so weird and so fun and absolutely me. Like 100%. it was, it was me. You know. I think what I really liked about it was that it, it was very, it was very fun, funny, but very subtle. So there would be some moments, and listeners, if you go back and listen to this podcast, which I totally recommend, he he pronounces words differently, like listening, <laughs> talking about oh, the concert is five hours long, and it's kind of like a ridiculous amount of time to be yeah. in a concert hall, and then all these stereotypical things about you can't cough and you're you know don't turn your score you don't turn your pages too yeah. loudly of your of your program and all that and just like the little subtleties that you put in because I think why it was so funny and why I related to it so much is because we've all been at we've the concert hall. We've all seen this. We've all seen this happen where you have like the stuffy concert goer who has season tickets, probably a blue hair, who's out there and just kind of like scoffing at, you know, someone who's not acting appropriately yeah. at a concert setting. And instead of, like, culturally, um, you might have people who want to take pictures who are from another country, but they don't understand, like, the American concert experience is not right. really like that. So instead of saying, oh, instead of being understanding about where they are from, instead scoffing and then making right. others feel unwelcome in the concert setting. Yeah, I, it, it to me has always been one of the most absurd things about classical music culture. Um, and I've, I've experienced this kind of, I mean, if you're, if you were, like, if you're like our age or even younger and stuff and you have this different relationship with the concert hall than than those people who I was imitating and and, and talking about, then like I, you understand the looks you get sometimes for showing up in jeans and a t shirt yes. or something yeah. ridiculous like that. Like just just so ridiculous. And I would be like I've gone into I've done fundraisers before where I tried to go into like the lobby area where they were holding like uh, like a, a reception with all these donors and stuff. I tried to thank the people that came to the concert, and I couldn't get in because in my tux. Why not? Because bourgeoisie. Because that. I don't know really? why. I was escorted out. They're really? like, you can't be in. You have to pay to be in this room. And That's I was like, I weird. just sat on that stage for two and a half hours, and I played for these people. And oh gosh, so all you're... of a sudden, I'm not on their level. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there, there's all these there's all these things about, like, God forbid someone, like, cough. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, it, I know it can be distracting, but it does not have to be that distracting. And yeah. Most, mostly I come to that conclusion based on the fact that, like, I decided to make it not distracting as a person. Yeah. I decided not to be, like, so uptight about, like, I think to that's let the that key, distract I think me. that's the key word is, like, not being so uptight. Like, if somebody's in the, in the hall talking loudly, making a bunch of noise, just generally being disrespectful, that is an issue, right? Yeah. But a cough, a loud page turn, you know, an accidentally a phone going off, 
and then that person immediately hitting the button to turn off. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. And I think as musicians, you know, we want to be respected and we want to go in and, and not have a picture flash in our face and all that. But there's so right. much decorum with classical music. And I don't feel like it's the little things that, that are not that important. It's the big stuff. If you have a, yeah. flat, a flat out baby crying in the hall, get that baby out. Let's go. Take that baby out. Just, but if you, because that baby doesn't want to be there. Yeah, obviously. She doesn't want to hear Mahler 6. She doesn't want to wait for the hammer. A lot of us are distressed during <laughs> Mahler 6. How like, that baby doesn't even have object permanence. Like, you yeah. take that baby on an airplane, the entire <laughs> earth disappears and starts screaming. Why would you get mad at that yeah, baby? Totally. Like, he yeah, doesn't so know where this sound is coming from, and it's aggressive and loud. It's just yeah. like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. don't get mad at a baby. Just, I mean, don't get mad at the baby. Just... I guess, like, just take the baby out for a couple of minutes but, and let it sit. But I think down, you're right. You, you know? have to decide in your head. Like, you understand that there's going to be people there who don't completely understand the entire concert ticket. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think that we have to. I think that we have to invite more people in to the yes. orchestra setting or whatever setting, whether it's. Well, I think because this goes for a lot of things. Like, I think it goes for plays. Right. I think it goes for concerts. I think it goes for poetry readings or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and I, I tried to hit on a lot in that episode. Like, I I made comments about, like, like the uh, the rape, like race and, like, gender and all this other that stuff. That race comment there. was so funny because you broke <laughs> character for two seconds. And it was just, it was so perfect the way you did it. Thank you. Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> so funny. But the, there's a lot of things to touch on. I think the number one thing to touch on, though, in terms of, like, um, the overall, again, what is concert etiquette, right? Yeah. It is a shared understanding of how to act and that in and of itself is very exclusive. Mm -hmm. It's very exclusionary, right? People listen to music in different ways. Like Liz uh, Flor talked about this on on the podcast beforehand. It's another part of it where like people will sometimes clap on the beat and stuff in some of these things, and it doesn't bother them because yeah, there's a beat there. I mean, it's fun. Um, people listen to music in different ways, and so if somebody wants to clap after they've heard a movement of a symphony that they thought was particularly impactful, then, mm -hmm. like, shut up and let them do that. Yeah. I mean, it's not already like they're going to be the only person clapping and then feel ashamed anyway, mm -hmm. but, I mean, if we didn't have this attitude of, like, you must respect this music in the way that I do, then it would be more inclusive. Yeah. And the fact to me, when I see these behaviors that are so ex exclusionary, it's absurd to me. And it's almost funny if it weren't one of the reasons why the craft is suffering right now. Yeah, we have to have more people come into classical music. I mean, there's only a few percent of the population. I don't have the statistic on hand, but, you know, people don't go to classical music concerts. Nah. Especially not now because of, you know, COVID-19, a.k.a. the virus. Right. But people are not going to these things, so we have to be more inclusive. Exactly. And I mean, again, I have said this before multiple times on this podcast show, around 78% of the people that show up to any given concert have are there for the first time, mm -hmm. and only 10% of that 78% consider themselves well-versed in classical oh, music. See, yeah. So a majority of the people that are showing up to these concerts just want to know what's up. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they don't care what's on the program. And... The only thing that they come away with in this very critical, like, first 30 minutes or so before you actually enter the concert hall is, like, this air of superiority that we yeah. have. It goes from all the way from, like, how we dress to how we look at each other to how we interact to exactly what happens in that concert hall. Mm -hmm. The fact that you will hear the room get more tense 
because somebody clapped. Because you know that person on the left and on the right probably just like looked over to the side and gave them the nastiest look in the world. I mean, right? when, when someone does that, all I can do is kind of chuckle and they just let it go. I yeah. said, you know, that person exactly. just doesn't understand. It is what it is. It's not it a is big deal. It it's not a big deal. So why are you open to lozenges? Like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> right? Like, it's just a rapper. It's a, I mean, like, it's a rapper. It's over. Like, who yeah, cares? It's good. It's good. You're good. Hey, welcome back. This is DKC Podcast. This is Megan and Tony talking about our weird podcast, our kind of divergence right. from the regular programming here. And I just wanted to remark on, I've done a lot of podcasts. And a ton. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of episodes, especially with DKC and with my own. I've done, I have this other podcast. Oh. Oh, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have another project I'm working on with some friends. Uh, another different podcast that I'm working on, and doing one by yourself, it is a bit nerve-wracking. Totally. Because it's just you. It's just you, and, and you know you have, it's just like doing a recording, like an instrumental recording, yeah. when you're trying to submit to something. You know you have literally infinite amount of times right. to do this, so you mess up, or you do it again, and, and it is nerve-wracking the first few times I did it. This one was not as much. Because I just said, I'm just, this is how I sound. Right. I'm just going to go for it. What, about, what was your experience? Well, I think it was a lot easier than the first one I ever did on my own, which was the Hyrule Harmony one, the Zelda podcast. Mm. That one was one I did completely on my own. And it was also scripted. But, like, this time it was just very different. Again, like, you know, again, like, exactly like what you're saying. Like, I'm just going to go. This is how I sound today. Yeah, yeah this is you know, how I sound. This is my character. And I'm going to, like you know, perform it in, in a sense. And I actually kind of like, you're absolutely right. It's incredibly nerve wracking to be on the podcast by yourself versus with somebody else. Actually, like, I would compare it to playing in uh, a group versus playing a solo. And when you're playing a solo, you're right. You have complete control over time. You can, uh, but but it's only you that people are listening to, yeah, right? You. you can't take a, as much of a breath or a break. Yeah. As if you're playing in, like, some orchestra, you got, like, if you're a piccolo, you got, like, 94 bars until you come in again. Mm. Plenty of time to think, plenty of time to prepare your response or whatever like that. But when you are playing, like, a sonata on a recital and stuff, it's just, like, all on you. Yeah. And you can never, like, have a break, in a sense. You must be so invested in it. And it's kind of the same in the podcast. It, because if you're on a script, th there's, like, notes on the page. You know, you're not riffing, like, pretty much what Megan and I do a lot of the time is improvise when we're with each other, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know you, and I mean? also, you can, when you have someone there, you can kind of banter off of them, and you know, like, if, if your joke's not going to hit, at least you won't be by yourself, you know? At least you can kind of... Yeah, at least there's, like, two or four or ten seconds of dead air. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with, the, uh, with my experience, again, I just said, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going to... Do it. I don't really care how I sound. Yeah, and and I think that gives me a sense of freedom as well because when you just kind of let go of the insecurity of being like, oh, people are gonna listen to this and make fun of the way I laugh or make fun of the way I sound or how I say this word or whatever, right. you just have to let go of that completely. Yeah, I mean, what other people think of you is none of your business. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for sure. I I was the same way, and it, it this podcast in a sense was incredibly liber liberating because 
unlike the Zelda podcast, the Zelda one I was really trying to be like a like a fun, fresh journalist. Like, it's a fun really, tone. It's really cute. Yeah, like all this really other stuff. Tone. Like yeah, it's really fun. But like this one, I was just going for like hysterical in the purest sense of that word, right? And so what it required of me in order to like get that character out and get those inflections out is like I was just gesticulating like wildly with my hands and yeah. face was making weird things. I had to let go in order to execute it. And so that was really that was really liberating in a sense. Yeah, I definitely I definitely understand that too. I've done so many of these, but each time it's like I get to make it my own thing. And I just you know, I put stuff out in the world. If it gets a good response, great. If it doesn't get a good response, that's okay. But I made something. And, exactly. and I also think I watch a lot of YouTube. I watch a ton of YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I find the most endearing YouTubers, the ones who are completely themselves. I watch this YouTuber, shout out Elliot Joy, if he ever watches, if he ever listens to this, ever. Call <laughs> me not, but that's okay. He did some stuff over the summer. I gave him heat for it on the comments. I was like, this is not you. This ain't you moving into a house yeah. in LA with a bunch of people. It ain't this ain't the way for you, bro. And then he went back to he goes to Vanderbilt. He went back to Vanderbilt, and he started doing stuff in his college dorm again. And he was just like his same nerdy self. I'm like, this is more. Yeah. I want to watch a 10 minute vlog of you going to grab mail, grabbing lunch with your friends, and skateboarding around campus rather than you doing some stunt in LA. Yeah. So I think exactly. people really appreciate like that authenticity that you bring without being subconscious of yourself. Yes. You know, people can really appreciate that. It's a really fine line, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, sometimes I think people try to control too much. Yeah, so, yes. How they say it, you know, they're, they get, I mean, we talked about this before, about how when we were first starting out doing podcasts, we would go ahead and uh, start picking apart our vocal tics, like, saying like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or saying um, or, uh, uh, you know, all this other stuff about just the natural way we talk, and the less you think about that, the less it's really an issue. It just you know? doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Are you getting your message across? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's one thing if that's you're just really the point. stumbling through your, through your thing, because yeah, I remember when we first started, when we first started the podcast, I had been podcasting for a couple of years, and then you jumped on, and then you just felt like, I remember you being like, oh, I don't want to do that take. And I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Bro, just don't, nobody. I would stop. Like, yeah, you would again, stop. Again, that dead air. I would yeah. just not roll with, with things. You as... just got to roll with it. You just got to just do your thing. And I think that comes from, you know, what we do now. And just not even caring. You just got to put your authentic self, all the likes and the yeah. ums and the sniffles and the bad language. And, and if you say something messed up, if you say something wrong, just go back and correct yourself. Yeah, you know, exactly. Go back and find the information, put it in the podcast. It's just yeah. an edit. And that's not to say that you can, like, just that you should just show up to the mic without any like written material or notes or anything in front of you, especially if that's what helps you feel comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, it's not like we sit down here without notes in mm-hmm. front of us. Mm-hmm. We do. There are certain things I want to say that I've written out beforehand, like a comment or something that I wanted to bring out, but I'm not married to that exact like wordage. The more important thing is to get across your point, not the exact way in which you articulate it all the time. And you know what I mean? There's, there's like, don't go ahead and start saying stuff without thinking about what you say before yeah, you say not, it. That's but, not the way either. But know. the other thing too is that when you come, like, really, oh, what was I gonna say? I can't even think of. I, w- I was thinking that when you come so prepared like that, it's very stilted. Yeah. As well, and that makes for a bad podcast too. Right. So the first thing is, is that when you come to the podcast, uber duper prepared, and that's great. Have it, have it on you, but just be natural. 
The yeah. thing is that when you come not prepared at all, that makes for even worse podcasts because you yeah, really dude. sound like you don't know what you're when talking about. When somebody asks you a question, you're like, uh, and they're like, bro, this was on the homepage. Yeah, like, exactly. you know yeah what totally, I mean? yeah. Like, like this, this, was, this was right there. You know, you, I mean, you got to know what, what you're talking about, but you also have to get to the point where you trust the work that you put into it because you're going to get out of it exactly what you put into it. Yeah. You know, and, you know there, that goes for a lot of things. There might be some episodes that... There are some episodes where I'm not exactly, like, uh, I don't want to say, like, proud, because I'm, like, proud of the work that I do, but, like, I, I do have moments where I'm, like, man, I could have hit that a little bit mm-hmm. better, or, oh, I could have taken that from a different angle, That's but everybody. there's no, there's no point to it, you know? Yeah. So, I, I guess for me, to kind of segue to our next, like, yeah. thing we want to talk about is, this was, in a sense, and the reason why we're talking about this now is... For the both of us, it really seemed to be an impactful practice. Yeah. You know what I mean? This was a bit of a turning point, at least for the two of us, in terms of how we how we envisioned the podcast going forward. You know what I mean? Because if you look at our previous content versus what we put out the last two weeks, it's just, it's very different. But I don't, it's really exciting, I think, too. So, I mean, what, what do you think about that? What, what, what was your vision? Well, it's kind of funny that we both did... We, we took left turns on the podcast at the, the same time. And yeah. you, I remember us texting the night before, and you were like, well, I have this new thing, and I want to put it out. I listened to it. I was like, oh, you should absolutely put this out. And then I remember I was, I was sitting on the stairs, and I was texting you, and I said, you're like, do you think this is too much for the podcast? I was like, hell no, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, this could be as weird as you want it to be. And that's yeah. the thing about, to me, about art and creation is that I used to be afraid to see myself on camera. I used to be afraid to hear myself on camera. Yeah. I used to not like those things. And it's not like I am a narcissist. I love to see those things. It's not that. It's just like, I'm going to put this out in the world. I don't really care who likes it or not. I'm not doing this for other people. I'm doing this because I right. want to just make something, you know, with my brain or with my hands. I enjoy that. And I think that the podcast can just be whatever it wants to be. Exactly. And that goes for everyone else. If you want to make something, just make it. And I'm, I am the main person who thinks like that but never put that into action. Right. So next week, I really hope to get this done by next week. I'm putting out a video essay. There's this guy named Sneeko. Shout out Sneeko. Uh, support him on Patreon. He's a wonderful creator on YouTube. He is full of contradictions, and he is, you know, he has these moments where he's like a womanizer, and he's, you know, not that PC. But he tells the truth. He speaks his truth, right? Yeah. And he'll go back and say I was wrong for that, you know. But he, I feel like he's one of the only YouTubers out there who doesn't play the game of, I'm trying to get a million followers, I'm right. trying to do this. He's not like, here's the, there, yeah, and it's, it's again, it's like a very fine line, and you, you see this with all, like, creation of any sort of art, like, in, in composition, you can notice this, too, there's a difference between having inspirations, and then pretty much just trying to fit into somebody else's idea of what he, you're trying to he do. He doesn't fit into that mode, and, and he makes these video essays that don't get a lot of hits. I mean, he has, like, almost, he actually has about a million on YouTube that follow him, but he makes, like, these kind of personal essays that are him, like, driving in a car and building a house of cards and stuff, and I go, I fuck with that so hard because yeah. he's just being himself. Yeah. So I'm going to do my best, not impression of Sneeko, but I'm going to do my best to, to just put out in the world what I like. To follow in the footsteps of the liberation. <laughs> to just... To just approach it with the same kind of yeah. reckless abandon yeah, reckless abandon. also backed up with real thoughts. Yeah, and because at the end of the day, you learn something. 
Yeah. I learned how to do video production. This yep. is very cool. You know, I learned it on my own. I learned it from doing YouTube. I learned from watching stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that no matter what, how it's received, if it's received well or not, you made something where you're doing what a lot of people are not doing because most people are just working for the man and mm. you're not, you're making something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I had like a similar, I guess, like weird thought about where we could go and that was I I have I have a, a, a little bit of a background in theater. Um, I did a ton of it when I or worked with a lot of uh, thespians in uh, my undergraduate and like was writing music for plays and acting in plays and uh, it just kind of disappeared when I went to graduate school. It was something that I loved and I remember saying at the time that like this is some of the most fulfilling stuff that I've done so far mm -hmm. and I've always wanted to kind kind of try and find a way back to acting and, and sort of this this air of of, of a different type of performance. Um, I've, I've dabbled in narration. I've performed a couple of concerts here in Kansas City where I did do narration. Uh, uh, did the Barrio Opus Number Zoo, which is super fun, and I was just off the wall on that performance. I had so much fun doing it, and um, yeah, I really. I just want to do more of it, you know? I want to do more, like, scripted, like, radio plays or something like that. This was a skit. Like, my last thing was a skit. It's a 13-minute skit that was, you know, about a, a topic that I wanted to bring some satire and some absurdism into. And I got to write that, and then I got to act that again. I got to make a character, a name I still don't have for something ridiculous it'll have to be benedict cumberbatch <laughs> <laughs> crumbly bum <laughs> bingle bangle bangle for it should be a play like, on benedict cumberbatch for right, sure uh, yeah like xenophilius throckmorton <laughs> throckmorton <laughs> yeah some ridiculous i mean i just like it was so like acting and being involved in theater brought me so much joy and i decided to just try and like lean into something that I think would bring me closer to that and I had a ton of fun doing that and and exploring that part of, of what I want to do and I was still talking about music and doing something that I felt was a, was a good comment on musical culture I mean don't ever mistake satire or criticism for for like nihilism or or maliciousness it's not it's, yeah. it's a way to talk about something. It's just a different way to talk about something. You and know it makes I mean? for a good point. It makes for a great point because, you know, it connects people. Respond to, people. To people respond to laughter for sure. Well, Tony, we should definitely get online about how to make that happen. Oh, I'm yeah. not a thespian, but huh? I have taken some improv classes up in New York City. I mean, if I took one. That's right. Oh, you took them in New York City? I took them in New York for a little bit. Wow. I took it one time. My friends are going to be like, you took one class. I took one class that I've taken a bunch here in KC, so we should nice. definitely, that would be fun. definitely go for a writer's I mean, trip or something. Yeah, I'm and down. I'm serious, because that that was funny what you I'm did. I want to be part of that. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Like, yeah. it, I, I would just also say this to open it up a little bit more in the minds of our listeners. It's just like, Think about this. There was a uh, Albert Roussel. Oh God, I can't even remember where this was. Early twentieth century wrote a radio poem, which we only have fragments of the script for, but we have all of the music. I performed it on uh, a lecture recital that I did about mythology and flute music, and it is a radio poem uh, scored for flute and string quartet. I want to get people together to 
finish that play and fully flesh out a score for it, include that music or something, that is a possibility. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can do that. We can do radio poems or radio plays and stuff like that. I'm so excited. Look, I can go straight up Orson Welles in this. Yeah. This oh, right God. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. We should just, like, narrate the entire symphony fantastic. (laughs) Definitely. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for listening to our podcast. Be on the lookout for more podcasts like this, for more experimentation, because that's where I want it to go. I want to keep pushing the limits of what this magazine can be. Also, go read our content. Tony, how many articles do we have coming out per month? Lord, we've got a bunch. We've got a bunch, like, maybe about in the next week or so, maybe, like, five or six, but my article... Started off as one, but it's probably going to be a two-parter. It's about uh, the planets, like the physical, space, science, versus the album Planetarium. Yeah, like Sufjan Stevens. Yeah, Nico. Bryce Dessner, Nico Mooley, uh, James McAllister, that album, which yeah. I love also. But, you know, just talking about music and then also how, like, we have recordings of all of these planets as well. So I put the recordings in there to talk about the characteristics of the planets, the mythology of the planets, and uh, then talk about the different sources of sound that we have for them. Just comparing it to planetarium specifically, because I don't want it to be a, a dissertation or anything. But, yeah. you know, nice. I'm, I'm excited for that, too. I mean, we got a bunch of really incredible content coming out. Michelle's going to be keeping on writing about uh, video game music, which I love her articles yeah. on that. John's going to be coming out with some more interviews here soon. Sweet. stuff like that. It's, it's going to be good, y'all. Well, we have a lot of content for you guys. Thank you so much for listening to DKC. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Spotify. Please, please, please go listen to us on Spotify. Some really good episodes on there. And find us on Google. Leave us a review. Email us. Catch us in the street. Uh, send us some mail. Send stay six feet away. Take six, stay stay six feet away. Do that. Let's have some social distancing up in here. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back at it next week. Okay, bye.